0: Welcome to another episode of the Masters of Travel podcast presented by Travel Magazine. I'm your host and editor-in-chief of Travel Magazine, Justin Kirby. And today, I am super excited to be sitting down with Derek Barron of Wandering Earl. In 1999, at the age of 22, Derek left home for a three-month trip to Southeast Asia. Sounds like fun. And basically, that trip never came to an end. He's visited over a 100 countries, 103 to be exact, as of this conversation. And he travels the world full-time while running his travel blog, WanderingEarl.com. I'm sure you've heard of it. And his tour company as well, Wandering Earl Tours. But before we get into the episode... This podcast is brought to you by NextTrip. NextTrip is the best booking engine on the internet. You can book flights, hotels, alternative lodging, vacation rentals, car rentals, pretty much anything you'd need to book online. You can book on net- NextTrip.com. So no matter where you're headed, be sure to start your search on NextTrip.com. We also, as always, like to mention great charities that you can support on this podcast. Every week, we feature a charity that our guests love, and Derek is a big fan of Animal Aid Unlimited, which is a vital rescue center, hospital, and sanctuary for injured and ill street animals in Udaipur, India. They rescue thousands of hurt and sick animals each year and provide sanctuary to those animals, and sometimes they even give them lifelong care, so... Be sure to check them out at animalaidunlimited.org if you want to learn more about how you can help. With that, guys, get comfortable, turn up the volume, get ready for another episode of Masters of Travel. All right, Derek, thanks so much for joining us here on Masters of Travel. Really excited to have you on. Um, Thanks for taking the time.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to uh, chat with you.
0: Yeah, so I know I gave a bit of an intro off the top, but give our listeners a bit of a more depth, but in depth bio of, of who you are. Things you think that they might need to know about you.
1: Sure. Um, basically, I was pretty pretty ordinary guy from uh, from Boston in the U.S. and uh, living a normal life. Went to university, studied uh, sports management, so my and, and sports law. So my goal is to be a sports agent, and uh, everything was pretty much on track until I. Spent a, uh, a year tra- studying in Australia, and that basically opened my eyes to a few different cultures and countries that I had never really heard of or knew much about, in Southeast Asia especially, just meeting a lot of fellow students from Laos and Cambodia and places like that, and piqued my interest just a little bit, and I thought it might be fun to uh, head off on a little trip uh, before getting into my career, and uh, basically that's what I did, and somehow I I'm still on that trip about 18 years later. It's been a crazy ride. I've done everything from teaching English to working on cruise ships to starting a travel blog and a tour company. And uh, yeah, it's just been a lifelong uh, adventure of travel so far.
0: Oh, That's awesome. Where was was the first trip?
1: So basically, I flew into uh, Bangkok and I was there just for a few days. And my goal was actually to get to Angkor Wat in Cambodia for the millennium. So that was where I celebrated the millennium and that uh, basically kicked it all off. That's also pretty much the night that I decided I was going to travel indefinitely as well. So,
0: Yeah, that's a great place to get started for sure. So first of all, I I like to lay the groundwork a little bit. um, And I know I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but just let's hear it from you. How many countries have you visited? And what would you say is your travel style? Has it evolved over time? Or has it kind of been the same since you started on that first trip?
1: First, I've been to, uh, I think it's about 103 countries so far. Yeah, as far as my travel style goes, it's totally changed. In the beginning, I was uh, pretty much a budget backpacker, trying to save money as you know as much as I possibly could, watched every dollar I spent, and really was just bouncing around trying to soak up experiences. I was just going you know, the, more of a standard, a couple days here, a couple days here, and, and moving on, just trying to see all the sites that I'd heard about, and just try to you know, all the activities that everyone was saying was so amazing and, and just trying to soak it all up. And that kind of lasted for a little while. And over time, as things got a little more serious and I realized, wow, this is not just uh, bumming around the world. I can actually turn this into an actual lifestyle. Then I started to slow down a little bit more and actually, yeah, stay in one place for a longer period of time, maybe, you know, get more familiar with one particular place and the, and the the food markets and and make some friends, you know, with the people and just just kind of have that kind of experience instead of bouncing around uh, nonstop. And now it's gotten to the point where I basically travel pretty slowly, most of the time where I'll have a base in one place and then sort of head off for maybe some short trips, a weekend trip and come back to that base and really try to really get a feel for a place and kind of forget about the major sites. The sites are great and all but I try not to focus on that so much these days, I'd much rather just You know, stay in one small town for a few weeks and and basically really get to know it as opposed to trying to cram a lot into that time frame. So it has changed all the time. It probably will change some more. But yeah, as long as you pay attention, you know, to what you really needed at any stage in life, you just
0: just make the changes
1: you need and move forward.
0: Absolutely. Did you have an, like a particular instance where you were like, you know what, I could turn this into a lifestyle? This is something that I think I could actually, you know, do over the long term? Or did it just kind of come out slowly as you went to more and more places?
1: For sure. I, I sort of took a bold step in the beginning when uh, I made the decision to travel indefinitely. And basically, I called my family and said, I'm not coming back. Uh, they said, what's your plan? And I basically did not have a plan at all. So, you know, that was kind of a a bit tricky in the beginning. And I think as soon as I realized over time, it took some time, I was kind of teaching English, as I said, and just to to make ends meet and figure this out. But once I did realize, wow, there actually are some opportunities out there, I could actually probably travel for quite a while if I, you know, if I did it in the right way and and took advantage of some of these opportunities, then uh, yeah, then I definitely sort of changed the style a bit, and and really, really got to focus on that. And and I realized, you know, I don't have to see everything right now. This is not just a, you know, a once a year vacation. I can actually extend this out over time, but that's going to take some dedication and some, you know, and some real, real focus and and strategy. And uh, yeah, so it started to change accordingly uh, based on that.
0: When did you start blogging throughout all of this? Was it during teaching or was it, did it come after? When did you start wandering around?
1: So it was actually later. So basically, I started uh, the blog in 2008, when a friend of mine just literally one day came up to me and said, have you have you ever heard of travel blogging? I was like, no, I have no idea what that is. He's like, check it out, you need to do it. And I checked it out. And about two weeks later, I had the crappiest looking blog up there. And uh, <laughs> it all started there. I put up the crappiest post possible. Just, uh, you know, I thought it was great at the time. But uh, yeah, and then, and that's how I started. Just started in 2008. And uh, yeah, been rolling rolling forward since.
0: So obviously, it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of persistence to keep going with the travel blog. I mean, it's it's a lot of effort for sure. But would, would you say that there was a point where, you know, you started to get X amount of readers or maybe you were featured somewhere? or Was there ever an instance in the blogging process where you were like, aha, this could work?
1: <laughs> yes. Oddly enough, oddly enough, it wasn't too long after I started. So it was actually just a few months after I started where you know, i had been writing a few posts. And of course, everybody who commented were my friends and my mom, you know, the usual. And all of a sudden, one day about I think it was about four months after I started the blog, the first comment came in from somebody I had no idea who the person was. They found my site online randomly doing a search and they left a comment. And that blew me away. I, you know, I started thinking, well, if one person can find my blog without me really knowing what I'm doing at all, if I try to figure out this stuff for real, then there's no reason why a hundred people or a thousand people or 10,000 people can't find the blog. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, okay, it might be a lot of work. I think it's going to be a pretty much a full-time job, at least in the beginning. And, uh, but I'm willing to do it because I started to see the potential just right away. Um, there also weren't millions of travel blogs out there at that time. So it was something kind of new and it was just getting on the radar and a few people were talking about it. And I thought, wow, this might be a good time to get in. So it actually was pretty, pretty early on that I kind of that light turned on. And I thought, uh, yeah, if I work on this seriously, there's definitely something here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, the continual process of creating stuff. You know, there's there's so many places that people want to go. So the more stuff that you can create, obviously, the more people that are going to find it. So that's that's absolutely the way it goes. What about what about? I mean, I, I know you also you also offer uh, wandering earl tours. When when did that come along? And and how have you found the transition into into that?
1: You know, starting pretty much uh, maybe about 2010, uh, 2009, 2010, the audience started growing pretty well and I started getting all kinds of emails and questions and, you know, comments on social media. One of the common things I was getting was, you know, people would say, oh, you go to India a lot. Can I come with you next time and just travel around with you? And, you know, I first, I thought that was kind of odd. I was like, eh, you know, maybe that's not the best idea. <laughs> just I didn't know who they were. And I kind of rolled with it. But then eventually, there was a period of time in 2012, early 2012, where I got three people in one week asked me if they could come to India with me. And then again, wow. that's when something clicked. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just offer a tour at the end of the year and, you know, I'll make it just a cool tour based on my own travel. So it'll basically be like we're traveling there, but I can organize some things to take away the stress and let's see what happens. So it took me a couple months to kind of just figure things out. I put it online. It sold out within 24 hours and that was the start of wandering out tours. And now it's pretty much been running ever since uh, the end of 2012 and yeah, I have about 10 to you know 15 tours that I do every year now to different countries. And I do a lot of private tours for groups as well. So yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere.
0: That's amazing. And, and how do you how do you select, because I was reading through some of the countries that uh, you take people to, how do you select the countries where you take people?
1: A lot of them are the, the sort of the foundation, the main countries, which are like India, Romania, uh, Mexico, are places that I have a lot of experience with. And so they're basically, you know, itineraries that are based upon my own travels. And then it kind of branched out to countries that I have a little bit less experience with, but people are asking for. And I now just pretty much pay attention to all the emails I get. I get a ton of requests from people every year. Oh, please. In 2019, I'm getting like a lot for 2019. A lot of people are interested in Egypt and Jordan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm getting this. So that's now I'm working on putting that together for 2019. So now I just kind of pay attention to to what people are interested in as, you know, destinations change, whether what, what the hot destinations or, um, you know, something a little bit different than what's, you know, available with, with bigger tour companies. And um, yeah, I just pay attention. I see if it's feasible and then I I put it together if I can. So that's how I have this Uzbekistan tour coming up in June. I have not been to Uzbekistan, but I had so many people, a group of people basically that wanted to do it and just
0: making it happen. And
1: uh, they're off in
0: uh, June. That's amazing. And how many or how, what would you say is like the persona of the person that contacts you that takes one of these trips? Is there um, you know, a, partic- a, t- a particular type of person that uh, would want to go on a trip or is it just across the board? You've got all ages, all different types of people, all different types of travelers.
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty fascinating. So if I just look at the basic demographics, um, the ages are it's incredible. I know about 50 percent of the people are under the age of 30 and 50 percent of the people are over the age of about 55. Oh, wow. More or less. It's very interesting. However, everybody has gotten along on all the tours. It's been fascinating because I think the main thing that everybody comes on these tours is, is they don't, which is basically how I market them, is they're not a typical group tour. And the idea is that it's not, uh, you know, we, I maintain some flexibility with the itineraries. I don't contract hotels for 10 years in a row uh, just to get good, ra- you know, even better rates. But then they turn into sort of just a hotel for, you know, for tour groups. The maximum group size is 10 people. We do a lot of local stuff that I do on my own travels as opposed to just activities that you people want to check off. So it really is something a little bit different. The transportation we use, you know, the places we eat, everything is, is basically not what you would find on a typical tour. So everybody who comes, regardless of the age, regardless of where they're from, that's the experience they're looking for. They always time and time again, they, they just tell me, man, I just did not want to go on a, on a normal standard tour that has, you know, a departure every week, you know, so it's something different.
0: Yeah, definitely not uh, not your big box tour, right? Where you're you're getting exactly. these hotels that are, uh, you know, people have been going to for the last 20 years. It sounds like a really cool experience for sure. Would you say that you have a favorite destination after all of these countries you've visited? Maybe a, a city, a, a, it doesn't have to be a country, anywhere in particular where you're sure. like, man, that's somewhere that I could just go back to over and over again?
1: Honestly, so it's a place that I probably, I don't know how many times I would go back to. However, it is by far the most fascinating place I've seen on this planet, and that is Yemen. Yemen by far. I could not believe it when I was in Yemen, just both the mainland and I visited, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, Socotra Island. No, I'm not. a small island. Yeah, it's a small island. Uh, It's been part of Yemen. It's uh, in the middle of the Indian Ocean, basically, it's e- pretty much equidistant from Yemen and from Somalia. And it's just this very isolated island that, that is normally described as the Galapagos on steroids, <laughs> uh, as it's just the trippiest place you've ever been in your life. And they, you know, they got an average of about 700 visitors per year. That's about it. And it's the, mo- it's the most remarkable place I've seen on this planet. It's totally otherworldly and just uh, blew me away. I'm actually working on a tour, tour to that island for uh, next year.
0: I'm I'm sure a lot of our listeners have yet to be to Yemen, for sure. What would you say is something about Yemen that, that surprised you or you think that might surprise our listeners?
1: For sure. So, I mean, you know, you go to a place like Yemen, you kind of think, oh, man, you know, this should I have come here. Maybe it's a little bit riskier, stuff like that. It's the same, you know, as soon as you arrive at the airport... It was one of the most welcoming countries I've ever been to. And you just don't know that much about it. Honestly, I did some research, but you just can't prepare for what you actually see in these isolated villages that are all built into the sides of cliffs and mountains And I mean, some of the most remote places I've ever been were were in Yemen. And you go up there and they were the most open and and friendly people that basically wanted to share their culture so badly because not many people were coming. Used to be a tourist hotspot way back in, say, the 70s or so. But since then, it pretty much has dried up. And it's just a remarkable place to once you get out with the landscapes and, and again, the islands and just the food, the culture. If you want to meet people and you really want to do something that's not just going around to major tourist sites. Yemen was, I mean, now it's a little bit difficult with the with the situation there, but uh, it was definitely the best experience I've had for, for just that local interaction since everybody just wanted to invite you into their home and, and share with you their culture that nobody was uh, learning about and nobody was coming to uh, see.
0: Right. Talk about some serious experiential travel. What year did you go?
1: So I went there in 2000 and that was 14.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, so not too long ago.
1: Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Just before, I, just after I had left a short time as, you know, some of the... the the situation that's happening now unfortunately started
0: right for sure what would you say on your travels is the most interesting thing that you've ever eaten what's the what's like the cuisine or or maybe I, i always i like to ask this in two parts like do you have a favorite cuisine from around the world and what's something that was kind of interesting from somewhere else definitely honestly
1: my favorite cuisine is i don't know if it's biased being from the u.s but it's probably mexican food i just find there's much more variety of mexican food than than we do get actually in north america but uh you know, every region you go is something fascinating i go to like the city of oaxaca and uh you go to the main, main food market there and every stall is cooking up something different and guaranteed even if you are from the north north america you will probably not have heard of 90 percent of the uh the food there and it's remarkable i mean it's just so fresh and remarkable that's always always been one of my favorites and uh as far as something i can go with something bizarre i did try fried rat in laos oh boy yeah, it wasn't – maybe not something I'll have again, but uh, <laughs> it was being sold. It was being sold at the market, and uh, I thought it would be a good idea to bring back to my friends at the guest house. And, uh, yeah, obviously, they they weren't too impressed, so I was sort of forced to dig in. And, uh, yeah, a couple bites were pretty much all I needed on that one.
0: Well, but, I, uh, I think yeah, – not recommended. I, th- I think you may take the cake for uh, the, the most interesting thing eaten on your travels for the podcast so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it honestly uh, – it had its tail on it. It still had it. Still had everything. Everything attached. It was. It was not pretty. So but you didn't.
0: Uh, you didn't go back well, for seconds.
1: Lesson learned. I did not go back for seconds. Actually, it ended up in the big trash can pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. That's uh, that, that's a unique one for sure. Um, what what about? Okay, that could be the craziest thing you've ever done on your travels. What would you say is the craziest thing you've ever done on your travels? From a more yeah, like maybe uh yeah. you've done experience.
1: I would say the probably the craziest thing I ever did was, uh, I would say, backpack through the tribal regions of uh, Pakistan and across the land border to Kabul and Afghanistan. I did that back in uh, 2006. Pretty much uh, took me a few months to actually get the visa for Pakistan because no Pakistani embassy wanted to give uh, a visa to a U.S. citizen. But I eventually convinced uh, the embassy in Kathmandu to give me one. And uh, off I went. i still not too sure <laughs> if it was as safe as it seemed. I didn't run into any issues or major issues. Let's put it that way. A few a few issues. I did end up one night uh, in a town, very remote town with seven Taliban that I was unaware of, I was, that I was go- unaware I was about to meet. But uh, I met them and ended up with them for, for quite a few hours at night on a remote uh, mountainside, which was interesting. But again,
0: got out of that unscathed Wow. Wow. So I'm like a lot of our listeners, I, I don't think there's a lot of people planning trips to to do that. But I think there's a ton of people trying to summon up courage to go to places like India or, you know, the other destinations that we've already mentioned on this show.
1: Basically, these places do surprise you. And it's similar to a place like India, where, you know, you, a lot of people are, are maybe nervous to go there. A lot of people are sort of unsure. They hear sort of the negative stories and they're maybe not as comfortable going. But I can tell you, it doesn't matter where you go you're going to find ninety nine percent of the time you're going to find you're going to find people with open arms and uh, people willing to help, and it's not going to be as intense or as uh, dangerous or as crazy as as one might think
0: yeah, absolutely and I think like let's dive into this a little bit because I think that it can provide listeners with a lot of of help for people that want to go somewhere that they might be a little bit afraid to go it doesn't have to be to Pakistan, but you know the, to that place that you're sure. you're thinking about going, how did you summon up the courage? to do that because you must have been a little bit nervous to be doing that route where did that come from was it from past trips and past experiences that you built on yeah yeah like tell me a little bit about uh, you know summoning up the courage to go on a big trip like that
1: completely from past experiences and basically you know it started off slow obviously okay thailand doesn't doesn't get too much negative press but you go I, it was just the act you know the my first trip very nervous in general about taking a trip and then going to all of southeast asia and Being like, wow, there really was nothing to be nervous about. And then, okay, I took it easy. I went to India and I was like, wow, this is also, you know, after spending a good amount of time in India, I realized this was far less crazy or intense than I was imagining. And I felt completely safe and, and, you know, didn't run into any issues. And then I went over to Bangladesh and, you know, it was so basically over time I was testing it, you know, my fear a little bit more and always reaching the same conclusion. Granted, going to Pakistan, Afghanistan, yeah, that might be taking it a little bit extreme. I'm totally aware of that, <laughs> but I felt at the time I was like, you know what, I want to see. I had met another traveler who had been and said, trust me, it's gonna be the same thing as India. Like you're gonna get there and be, you know, find all these warm people that, you know, and, and you're gonna have no problems. And I, I really at that in my travels was very curious to see is that how it really is and sure enough it was and that's so that's that's my point with whether you it can be india for example is a good that's a great example because a lot of people really do want to go there and i'm uh, just unsure if it's for them but i can tell you i've learned it over and over and over again over the last 18 years that no matter where you go I, after you know after pakistan Afghanistan, went on eventually into syria and to other places and it just has been proven to me over and over again that uh, all the negative media that you hear, all, all the things that we're afraid about, the chance of actually running into that is extremely slim. And I'm saying that from places like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Syria. So you can imagine with places like India or Nepal or you know parts of Africa, it's not what people will expect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's great people all around the world. And if you're a traveler, I mean, let your curiosity guide you a little bit because you'll be surprised.
1: Exactly. Always surprised, and that's one of the you know the most common emails I get from people is that, "Wow, I, I was so nervous for ten years. I didn't want to go to this country because I was a little bit nervous, and and I went, and I can't believe I waited ten years." You know, that's, yeah, that's that's pretty standard.
0: Absolutely. What what's something on your travels you'd say that you're really proud of?
1: Honestly, the probably the thing I'm most proud of is helping other people uh, get out there. That I've been able to use my experiences to. You know, to receive these emails from people that say, "I wouldn't have never traveled had I not come across your site or not not read some of your posts and not learned to, you know, that I could actually do it and gone out there." And then I hear their stories of now they move to all kinds of countries and have un- unbelievable experiences out there, and and it changes their life. And just to just to hear these stories, you know, still blows me away. But uh, you know, I'm really just proud that I was able to use my own experiences. Because that's always the thing we all question that, you know, what am I really doing? Is it useful? Is it helpful in some way? And and that I'm just happy that I could use all, all you know my years of travel to actually uh, to hopefully make a difference for other people. And that's something that, uh, yeah, I, I'm just really happy when I receive those uh, messages.
0: Would you say that's the mission statement of Wandering Earl and Wandering Earl Tours to help people see the world, whether through you or with you?
1: Absolutely. That's always been my goal from day one when I started the blog it was like, you know, I, the idea is, well, I'm writing a blog because I have a lot of travel experience. So I want to show other people that they could actually get out there and travel. I'm not saying everyone should travel for 18 years nonstop. That. Most people probably would not want to do that in the end, but um, you know, the idea is just whatever anybody's travel goal is, just to show them a little bit of my of my life and my experiences to hopefully help you know give them the confidence needed to to get out there and, and see as much or as little of the world as they want. But just to uh, yeah, to make sure they do achieve some of their
0: travel goals. Tell us about one big lesson that you've learned on your travels.
1: It ties in with what we were talking about before. I would say the biggest lesson that I've learned. It took me a little bit of time, but was that it doesn't actually matter where you go. And it's actually not the major sites that are the most important. It's always the most rewarding experiences are going to be the even the simplest interactions that you have with people, because that's what makes you realize that it doesn't matter what country and what religion anyone is, what anything anyone is, everybody wants the same or the overwhelming majority of people want a simple, happy life. You know, the people just want to, nobody wants to have enemies, they don't want to hate people, they don't want to They don't want to be involved in fighting and they just want to have enough food for their family and hang out with their friends, smile every now and then. And, and, you know, just have a nice, simple, happy life. And that's what you see in every corner of the world, rich, poor, doesn't matter. And, you know, and, and that's a huge, huge lesson to learn, because once you see that, you realize that all the negativity out there, you know, it's all from misunderstandings and assumptions that we make and lack of information. And it's such a shame that, you know, there is all this sort of the hatred out there and all this sort of negative energy when it really could be solved if we all just went out there, shook a few hands with people around the world and had some quick conversations with people. And I think that's that's definitely the biggest lesson that I've learned over the years. And it's the main reason why, you know, my travels don't focus on the sites and they pretty much focus on interacting with people because that's, that's what it's about. And that's where the rewards come from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you're planning a trip you know it, it can be scary if you if you st- the internet can be a scary place because there are so many places yeah. that you know For you sure can not. go to and when you search things they'll give you this all these negative stuff but i think that's what i love about this podcast and about you know all of our guests just have these amazing platforms where they can educate people on you know this is what it's really like you don't have to be scared of everyone because while the places may look very different people you know at the core we're all we're all really the same like you said right so
1: Absolutely. That's the thing. It doesn't take very long to realize it. Once you get out there, you know, if you just, you know, don't hold on to your backpack and look at the ground as you walk by, if you just, you know, a few waves and a few hellos and, and you're off and running.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that can, and that, can, and that makes a trip. I mean, conversations with people finding out, you know, where they come yeah. from, what their perspective is uh, to me, that's, that's the best part of traveling for sure. What would you say is, is it what place, I mean, you've been to over a hundred countries, I think 103, you said, what, what places at the top of your bucket list now? South
1: Pacific trip. So I've been to a few random islands in the South Pacific, but I'd love to get out there and sort of do an island. I'm a big beach person. I'd love to get out and do a sort of an island uh, experience to sort of, you know, Tonga, Solomon Islands, Cook Islands, French Polynesia and that kind of uh, thing. Now I'm sort of waiting for a good enough chunk of time to do that. But uh, that is definitely uh, top on my list at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's becoming a trend on this podcast. It seems like um, travelers who have been to, you know, 50 plus countries or 100 plus countries, the south pacific has so many islands to explore that it's just uh it's hard to see them also you know that it really does kind of naturally bring itself to the top of the bucket list i think a lot of people have probably been to fiji but i mean outside of that taking taking lots of these you know day trips to some of these islands is you know a huge opportunity for people i think
1: yeah definitely and it it is a big trip though so it is it's not something you can just kind of say i got 10 days now i'm going to bounce over there so that, that kind of makes it challenging. So yeah, so it takes some time to to organize, but uh, yeah, I can see it becoming a, a definitely a, a hot item on the bucket
0: list. Yeah, definitely. Leave us with some wisdom. What would you say is your best piece of travel advice that you think our listeners could benefit from knowing from?
1: I've my ahead just two quick ones. I would just say first, as hard as it is, I do it this. I do it as well. Is to be spontaneous and, you know, to put the phone down sometimes, turn off the apps every now and then and and not really worry about the places that you're supposed to see or the things you're supposed to do. You know, I always say, uh, tell people, you know, one of my favorite things to do is just get on a bus or a train, buy a ticket and literally just get off after like an hour in some random place, hop off and start exploring. And it's that kind of spontaneity that, again, it leads you to inevitably meet interesting people that don't normally come across Travelers, because maybe you're you're probably going to be in a town that is not very touristy, and it just leads again to those positive, you know, interactions. You're in places that are not in the guidebooks that aren't mentioned on the travel blogs and stuff like that. And I can guarantee that that kind of spontaneous travel, time and time again, the interactions that it leads to is is going to be unbelievably rewarding. Something a little more practical, though, I would say is you know, I one thing I'll say is to ask. It's very simple. Is uh, especially travel can obviously cost money, so obviously. Most people are looking to save money here and there. And I always say, you know, just ask, ask for discounts. I recently wrote a post on how before I stay in Airbnb, um, I always just contact the host and say, look, you know, I'm actually coming in a few weeks. I see it's still available. You know, is there any chance of any discount if you wanted to, you know, secure it for a month, you know, just to, you know, we can do it right now or something like that. And almost every time you get some discount, if I'm staying in a hotel, I contact them, ask for a bigger discount than what I can find online. train tickets, activities, entrance fees, you name it. Is pretty much just just asking if you can have a discount will save a more money than you would imagine over the course of a year that you can then use, you know, to continue your travels.
0: That's a great fresh piece of advice that we haven't heard that yet on the podcast. And asking is definitely, I mean, it goes for life, honestly, (laughs) if you need something, ask. But in the travel industry in particular, I mean, there are. So many places willing to offer a discount, and let's let's talk a little bit about that first piece of advice as well. I mean, I know the difference for me traveling from. I believe you started traveling when around '99 is is when you started. Yep. It's 99. Right. huge difference between travel in 1999 right. and today what would you say you know obviously right. there's benefits to being able to have your phone everywhere but there's also negatives to like you know instead of asking people yeah. where the best restaurant is yelping it isn't always the best way to go what do you think about the transition in how we travel from 1999 till today do you see it as a positive do you constantly remind yourself hey i should put away my phone and start focusing on the things around me what does that look like for you
1: yeah, it is. It is pretty crazy when I think about how it was back then where you would never know where you're going to eat any meal. You, I basically didn't even know what activities were in the town that I was going to because you couldn't just jump in. And I wasn't a huge guidebook kind of guy. And, and even that, even if you half the time they were outdated and, and stuff like that. So it was literally just figuring stuff out on the go all through conversation with people around you. The thing with now, obviously having the apps and having the phone and just being all this information, it does open the world a little bit. So you do hear about places that you might not have heard about before. And it does have that benefit of, yeah, just you getting information so that you can make decisions as to where you think might be a good match for you to travel to. And obviously it does help people avoid being in a bind or without accommodation or without anywhere to eat or stuck in the middle of nowhere. With that said, uh, yeah, I definitely force myself from time to time to, oh, pretty often actually. Once I get to a place and, and and I'm there, then I you know try to turn off the phone and just not use it and go outside on my own and just find a place to eat without checking anything. And I think that you really have to make a conscious effort to do it, but I think it's such an important part of travel because I mean, it, just to ask for directions, it's amazing to me. You know, just to, I remember some conversations I had when I first started traveling with people on street corners. I mean, it was every day you were asking people, where's the, this place? Where's that place? And they led to all kinds of interactions that just disappear when you when you pull up Google Maps. I mean, the opportunity for it is gone. And I just think it's such an important thing. So I think both, you need both these days. But it does take some effort to uh, make sure you put down the phone and and just do some part of your travels need to be spontaneous and, and involve that human to human interaction uh, from time to time if you to really
0: get the most out of it. Yeah, I find being spontaneous is is a huge part of travel. So I always say to people, you know, you know, there's definitely a type of traveler that just they love their phone and they use it for everything on their trip. I always say to that type of person, yeah. just spend one day using your phone for only emergencies and see if you enjoy it more yeah. because it really does lead you down holes and into conversations that you wouldn't have otherwise had. So um, I find it an interesting uh, shift, I feel like, in in the travel culture. That being said, though, do you have any travel apps, anything that you use regularly when you do travel? Honestly, I don't.
1: I, I use TripIt to organize my travels and all my flight reservations and all my stuff like that. But apart from that, I actually went through earlier this year, I got a new phone, I went through my travel apps and pretty much in this spirit tried to delete most of the apps, uh, just to make sure that I am, you know, just out there and, and going back to sort of my old school style of just, uh, asking people.
0: That's a, that's a great way to do it. And for those that don't know, TripIt is great for, for organization. That's a, I think a really good, I, I enjoy using yeah. TripIt before I take my trip. It just keeps me all in one place, but that's very exactly. really cool. That's a great way to do it. So we, we covered a lot on the podcast, but before we go, where can people find you online? Social media, website, w- what uh, information do you want to give out to people?
1: Um, sure, yeah, have the have the blog at WanderingEarl.com. Have the Facebook page is a great place. A lot of people are, you know, very engaged audience there uh, at Wandering Earl on Facebook. And then, of course, if anyone's interested in any tours or just seeing, seeing the world in a different way, that's WanderingEarlTours.com.
0: Awesome. And to our listeners, guys, we're going to put all of the links that were just mentioned and that were mentioned throughout the show in the show notes page for this episode. It's on travelmagazine.com in the podcast section. Derek, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time.
1: No, I appreciate you having me. It's been great talking to you
0: to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to masters of travel. Please leave us a review. It helps us reach more people. So wherever you're listening from, if you're on Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Google, We would really appreciate it if you took the time to leave us a short review of the podcast. If you want to learn more about the links we mentioned during the show, go to travelmagazine.com. You'll see a podcast section in the top right-hand corner. Just click on that and you'll see Derek's episode top, front, and center. I'm Justin Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at CaveJustin. If you'd like to talk about your next trip or have a guest you think we should feature on the show, be sure to tweet me. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we will talk to you all soon. Happy travels.